Hello, I'm Chris Moon, a fellow artist manager, and I'll be your guide through tough love, adventures, and artist management. As we enter this new year, I thought we would find some of the aspects and overall approaches that we've been taking with this podcast. When I first envisioned this, I thought taking a seasonal approach would work best, coming up with topics such as origin stories and pivots. But as it began to unfold, I've come to realize that each artist's manager's story is so unique and inspiring in its own right that it's best to let the discussion dictate the overall theme. So with that in mind, moving forward, we'll forego the seasonal approach and do just that. Let the stories take us where they may. To kick us off, I've invited a friend and former colleague of mine to join us today, Hannah Boren. As I mentioned at the top of our chat, I first encountered Hannah when she was a student at Belmont University in Nashville, and she became our first intern at Noise Trade, a music discovery platform I used to run. Her talent and intuition were evident even at the early stage, so I'm beyond thrilled that she's excelled to become an artist manager, working with another dear friend of ours, Aaron Sawyer, at Red Light Management. I'll let Hannah share the rest of her story as we dig in. Hello, my name is Hannah Boren, and I work at Red Light Management based in Nashville, Tennessee. And the artists I work with currently are Julian Lodge, he's a guitar jazz artist on Blue Note Records, Madison Cunningham, Margaret Glaspie, Sarah Watkins, Watkins Family Hour, Lauren Bello, and I'm with her. Great. Thanks, Hannah, for joining us. Of course. Glad to be here. Yeah. So this is long overdue because when I started this podcast, I was thinking a lot about, you know, my own path towards artist management uh, over the years Mm -hmm. and all the, the wonderful, uh, folks I've, I've gotten to, uh, to know and work with, um, on the interning front in particular and kind of where they've landed, uh, over the years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that, that you're over at red light working with our, our mutual friend, Aaron has been, uh, just a thrill to watch and see. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm so glad that we're still connected and I love that. Well, I guess we really should just go into how we know each other. Yeah. Yeah. To dig into the history and stuff. (laughs) I was trying to think of when, what year this would have been because it's been a little while, but it was shortly after I really started to sink my teeth into, um, into, into things at noise trade and they didn't really mm-hmm. do, have interns and throughout my whole career, I've always had interns. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was really keen to get a few extra people, uh, involved in that respect. And you were the first person I interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was noise trades first intern and I met this very kind man, Chris Moon. Oh. and yeah I mean noise trade it was so interesting because it was such a great opportunity I mean you know I went to Belmont University and they really knock it into you intern 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 Mm -hmm. so I did numerous things but with you was was really quickly like let's go here's all this work I mean I really felt plugged in and under your wing you know and I loved hearing all of your experience. And I mean, you just had this massive Rolodex from your days as a manager, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that was very influential to me early on. Um, 
kind of see like, okay, so managers, they do a lot. They know a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, anyways, it's awesome. We, We go back. I mean, I think that was 2012. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was right around nine to 10 years ago, uh, for sure. Yeah. God, which is crazy. crazy. To think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was one of those things where, um, you know, for me in particular, like that was all artist relations. It was a majority of a combination of, you know, working with artists directly, managers and uh, marketing people at record labels and, having somebody come in such as yourself who were, you know, willing and able to kind of like quickly pick up on the, the relationship component of it uh, mm-hmm. and clearly had great musical taste because we were curating what we were doing as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was just so important and key. Like I, d- I honestly don't think, I don't think it would have excelled, and, and developed as quickly as noise trade did at that point in time, um, you know, without your help and assistance and, and just kind of like keeping it, uh, you know, going, uh, in a sense of just being very active and doing outreach and connecting with, uh, developing artists. I mean, it was such Mm -hmm. a key component. Oh, that's super sweet. It's funny from my perspective, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) you know just really finally I don't know kind of diving in and in school it's you take all these classes and it's it's all kind of theoretical right Mm -hmm. um so to be able to during school and then immediately after just fully dive in so so fun yeah yeah and that's one thing I liked about noise trade and also liked about you know, or tried to achieve this really with any intern I worked with was not just kind of like pushing paper or busy work, but actually having, you know, a fair amount of responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that is the best way you learn is just doing it, figuring out how to do it. (laughs) There's nothing more crucial than that. Uh, and finding confidence in doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that work may be, uh, it's really difficult to, uh, as you were saying earlier, you know, the, the hypothetical component is really hard, I think, to grasp. Um, so unless you're engaging with other people in the industry on a regular basis, it's, it's hard to, you know, find your feet in a lot of ways with that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the sooner you can do that, the better, whatever that excuse may be, whether it's interning for, for someone or a company or something, or just, you know, trying to figure it out for yourself (laughs) in some Mm -hmm. respects. I mean, that's one of the things I love about management is like, I, I don't think I knew what, I mean, I know I didn't know what I was doing really when I dived into it. Um, and it does really require a lot of, um, mentoring, I think ideally, and just Mm -hmm. like, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, figure it out as you go type, you know, mentality, which isn't for everyone. Um, but, (laughs) 100%. But, you know, if you can thrive in that environment, it, it's a lot of fun, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, just being around and talking to other managers during that time frame hopefully uh, gave you a, a, you know, a little bit of insight, as you were saying, into like the tremendous amount of work and, you know, gumption it takes to really, you know, take an artist under your wing and, and be the advocate. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it was interesting in some respects. Did you, at that time where you were finishing up school and uh, interning and then eventually working at Noise Trade, did you have an affinity for management or managers or is it something that kind of came later as you were kind of finding your own path career-wise? Totally. Totally. Um, I, I think both and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's funny. I graduated in December of 2013 and I feel like the vibe of the industry, at least for people I was graduating with was just take what you can get, take yeah. what you can get, you know, um, it, it, it felt exclusive, competitive. Um, and so, you know, I was in a really lucky place that I was happy with what I was doing. It didn't feel like, well, this is the one thing I kind of got on the table. So got to go with it, even though I hate it. It wasn't that way at all. Um, it's, it's what I wanted to be doing. And so, yeah, I mean, there was a huge value in, you know, doing, it was a limited a limited product, a limited service for a ton of different people. Mm-hmm. So getting to work with head of marketing at labels, head of digital at labels, like, you know, all the labels and also PR firms, like seeing how they work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course with managers. So throughout all of that, I was definitely interested because the managers clearly had their finger on the pulse way more mm-hmm. than, than any other partner we were working with. Um, and yeah, I mean, at that point I was really just getting my head around all of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would say when I really kind of caught the management bug was my next job, which I was briefly the personal assistant for Lord, the pop artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was, that was fascinating cause I was thrown into, and at that point she arguably was the hottest artist of that year. It was the most, yeah anticipated release kind of what Adele is right now Mm -hmm. you know super buzzy um all the press all the fans you know all that kind of stuff so being thrown in that was you know incredible but also a shock for sure it's like (laughs) oh my gosh we're doing all the biggest things all the time you know um but the relationship that I loved watching the most in that was Ella, that's mm-hmm. Lord's name, and her day-to-day manager. Um, you know, I saw him just guiding her and protecting her. And he was basically my boss as well. He was the one training me, instructing me. Um, and he had his pulse on everything. And, you know, he was this, his name's Alex Sardi um, at Crush Management. But, you know, he was he was guiding her team and he was guiding her in a really non-pretentious in a really real way Hmm. um, that I really admired. And I'll just, I'll never forget. She was getting her hair and makeup done before SNL. And Alex was just crouched down beside her. She was, you know, had all these people around her pulling at her and painting her face and the whole thing (laughs) crouched down beside her and just uh, showing her all this stuff on his phone and going through digital strategy for the release and, how they were going to execute it and what they needed from her and if this seemed like too much and what commitments they could get from her and just talking her through it in such a concise way, but also holistic way that I was like, that's cool. I want to be that person, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, That's, that's really cool. So yeah, I mean, that's when I really fully understand, 
understood what a manager does, you know, was, was that job and seeing how management worked with her and, and got to, to lead the whole team and kind of, you know, be the ones that are kind of organizing the artist's career, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they are the most kind of formative people. And I thought that was just so neat, you know, I mean, being an assistant, like I definitely felt like my hands were kind of on the glass. Like I was looking into the room, hmm. but I was I wasn't really in the room yet, you know. And management to me was you're not in the room; you're at the head of the table. You yeah, know? Like you're really you're getting to lead this just fantastically talented group of people. Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of what made me realize, like, wow, management not one it's super cool, and two, like I think I might have the skill sets to do this. You know, the mm-hmm. soft skills. Um, there's a lot of soft skills that come with management. Like yeah. you do need to be a good hang. You need to be a good communicator. Um, you need to be a therapist. Sometimes you need to lay down the law. Sometimes, you know, you need to set boundaries. You need to to be a boss with crew people. Sometimes, you know, have difficult conversations, just all of it. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, that was exciting to me. Um, and so whenever my time with Ella ended, you know, I had a real, I had some time to figure out what I was going to do. Um, financially, I was in a place that I was like, okay, I, you know, I don't, I don't need to get a job next week. I, I have mm-hmm. a few months here to figure this out. Um, so I put out a ton of feelers and they were mainly from my noise trade Rolodex, you know, yeah. um, from people I had worked with previously. And so Mike Fabio was one of them and he at that time was head of digital at new west you know him well mm-hmm. and mike i had reached out to him you know it was kind of like maybe i should move into digital you know let's let's get on a call and, and talk this through because i wasn't really positive what i wanted to do um and mike just said well i just i just had lunch with aaron sawyer he's a manager at red light he's kind of newly at red light and he's drowning he desperately needs a day-to-day manager um i was like oh cool this sounds awesome you know mm-hmm. um so and aaron and i had worked together some with noise trade as well we'd, right. we'd run some campaigns with leave watkins family hour and sarah watkins mm-hmm. so i had i knew him you know, loosely, not super closely. Um, but yeah, so Aaron and I connected and one thing led to another and he brought me on in his, as his day to day. So that's kind of how my like quote career in management started. <laughs> yeah. I happened to be in Nashville around that same time, you know, Mike was talking to Aaron and you both and I went to mm-hmm. lunch with, with Mike and Tom and they'd mentioned that and you immediately, they didn't say anything about you at the moment, but I, you know, as soon as they had mentioned Aaron was looking for somebody, I was like, Oh, Hannah's looking for a job. That would be great. Yeah. So I ended up, yeah. I ended up talking to Aaron, you know, during that process and encouraging him, obviously, but I'm so glad all that worked out. That's awesome. Well, there you go. I can, I can credit you for this job, Chris. Well, I don't know it about all, that. It all leads back to you. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but no, but the, the neat thing about it is, it's great when you see, um, you know, two people kind of come together for what, you know, that are, are just obviously really great people first and foremost, but just kind hearted and, you know, strong work ethic, all of that. Um, 
and and partner in the way that you guys have and 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 hopefully kind of feed off each other i mean i really and i think i think i remember telling aaron that when we were chatting i was like there's i mean because i feel like i learned a lot from you during the time that we worked together um mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a two-way street when you have really when you you're fortunate to work with really good people um mm-hmm. in in all capacities and i kind of felt like that would be kind of the vibe with with you and aaron there'd be an opportunity to kind of obviously he had a need and you had an interest but there's an opportunity to kind of kind of grow through that i remember when aaron i first met aaron when he was uh tour managing when i was at network and he was tour managing jars of clay and, nice. and then he went out and started tour managing chris teely uh for quite a while and yeah. he you know i remember having lunch with him when I was still at network and he's going, I think, or maybe it was shortly after, but anyway, he, I just remember going, am I nuts to kind of want to do artist management? And I was like, yeah, probably. But if that's really what you want to do, you know, <laughs> uh, that was a gist of the conversation, but I remember us having, you know, he was kind of like feeling it out and finding his feet with it. And obviously he's done incredibly well with it, but um, mm-hmm. nonetheless, it was just kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's great to see things like that coalesce. Um, I love that. I love that. Didn't know that backstory. Yeah, yeah, that goes back, yeah, even longer. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, and some of the best managers, I think, really do come from, you know, either being out on the road or in your circumstance, you know, seeing that holistic component of what it takes to be an artist. Uh, part of that, mm-hmm. the strength in that is the time that you spend directly with an artist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to kind of, to, to be talented in having a bigger vision for somebody is a whole other thing to your point with with alex and ella like how to articulate that and share it and also be protective of it um that's a really challenging thing especially if you're working with an artist that is uh for lack of a better word just really you know gentle or artistic and not necessarily business minded um Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's a, a two that's almost like two different personality traits that are kind of hard to kind of flip between um yeah and, and that's a line that i think really good managers learn to walk as well as artists is like mm-hmm. where to push and how to you know back off i guess when when things are you know tricky or maybe too much uh from a creative totally. stance um yeah there's so many nuances to all that uh yeah and given the type of artists that that you and aaron work with i mean there's probably a lot of room for that there's a lot of tenaciousness there no doubt um Mm -hmm. but also just the artistry and craft is you know at a whole different level i would say than not not to say there isn't a lot of talent out there but i mean you're looking at you know people that are exceptional musicians uh within your roster and exceptional songwriters and, and vocalists across the board. I mean, there's a there's a thread there, which is pretty fantastic. Um, totally. And speaks totally. volumes, you know, holistically amongst the collective roster. I mean, that's got to be a thrill to, to be around. Oh, it's absolutely a thrill. You know, I mean, and from day one, but when I was interested in, in working in music business, you know, I really really was like, I'm not going to work with artists I don't like. That was kind of my one barometer for whatever work I'm going to go into. Like, you know, I mean, I can, I could 
take a realty test tomorrow and become a realtor and probably do pretty well financially here in Nashville. You know, like I work, I work in music for a reason and that's because I love music. And so what's the point if I don't believe in the art that I'm pouring myself into, you know? Mm -hmm. So we are super lucky to work with just incredibly talented, insightful, um, visionary artists, you know, and that's, that's what makes it all worth it to me is because I believe in it. You know, I mean, it would be really, really hard to do this, this type of work that it's, you know, it's not a nine to five. It's personal. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot goes into it, but it's totally worth it because I believe in the art, you know, um, that would be such a shame if I didn't. I think it'd make it really hard to do this job well. So we're we're so so grateful and so lucky to be working with just such incredibly talented people. And I still, I just, you know, I'm still a fan. I don't know if I ever won't be with these <laughs> artists. I just like last night, Julian Lodge played at Basement East and you know, I've seen Julian a ton live and I talk with him every day and it's just like oh my gosh, this guy is incredible. You know, like it's just, it's special every time. Um, I just get such a kick out of his playing and it just, it's still jaw dropping to me. Like Mm -hmm. the magic isn't lost. You know, I'm a total, total fan. That's awesome. So it's, it's special. I know, I know not all managers have that. So I do not take it for granted. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, to find those connections and those opportunities where it balances out like that. Cause you know, regardless of how you feel about the music, I mean, the work can be challenging and hard and there's disagreements, things that go wrong. Um, you know, they're often out of anyone's control (laughs) and yeah, it, it, uh, exasperates the, you know, uh, circumstances and situations at times that can make it hard. So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I'd never worked with an artist I'd, or very rarely worked with anyone for too long that I felt like I didn't have a strong personal connection to, um, yeah. and, and love their music and, and love them as a person in some capacity because it's just too much work. It's too much stress (laughs) (laughs) for not a whole lot of return at times, you know, I mean, you put that (laughs) investment in early and it's just, yeah, it's, um, I want to say it's a thankless job, uh, but it can be at times. It can feel like it at least. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you know, at some point you're not doing your job well as a manager if your artist knows everything you're doing. Right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're keeping all the, the plates spinning. That's good. Like they probably won't hear about all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a little bit thankless in that respect, but you know, I mean, we're also lucky, like the artists we work with are really good people yeah. and they're, they're grateful, you know, um, which is mind blowing to me, but awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I mean, I think, you know, the work workload aside or just the day to day, you know, frustration points, traveling, you know, whatever logistics that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all the things that, that seem to always be the challenges that are beyond your control. But, um, so it just kind of floated to my mind, but, uh, mm-hmm. the other good fun thing about, um, 
being a manager and environment I think you guys all run in is probably the creative component. You know, I'm sure there's probably lots of opportunity to be super creative on the the business side of things and the yeah. approach, you, you know, you take, which, you know, to me, I think is kind of an unspoken component in management. You know, I know a lot of people that there seems to be a lot of, I guess, you know, styles that are different. You know, a lot of people lean back and just wait for it to come to them, make decisions based on that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's some really good managers out there to kind of lean in and try to be creative with it. And I think, you know, that's where it gets to be a lot of fun. You know, if you have the, mm-hmm. the right combination of a manager, it's being, you know, a little bit more bullish and an artist that's open to that partnership component. Mm-hmm. Um then, you know, it's, it's more of a, yeah, it becomes more of a partnership and more of a collective component as opposed to just, you know, the idea of just managing whatever comes your way. Um, so to say, and hopefully it gives you longevity too, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. I think something else that's, I, I really love about all the artists you guys work with. I mean, there's definitely, you know, a progression you can see coming, you know, out of the Mm -hmm. gate. Um, you know, I mean, for me being a fan of a lot of those artists, I mean, it's, it's fun to see the creative, you know, progression of somebody like Margaret from, you know, day one to where she's at now and and whatever's to come next. And obviously with, with Madison, there's a lot around the corner, um, that I'm sure will accelerate quickly, you know, uh, in the, in the year to come, but, uh, it's, you know it's hard to it's hard to really have a solid footing as an artist and and have the and and be able to look far enough ahead to go okay yeah I can see where this is going to go you know I can see (laughs) that I'm going to be okay and on some solid ground with the people I work with and if I just Mm -hmm. do my part and be open-minded there's opportunity to to see just go wherever you want it to go. And that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty encouraging and exciting. I really, I really love to see like those long-term artist components, you know, the things that are three, you know, take three or four records and maybe five or six years to kind of really hit <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way. Cause then, you know, you've probably got another 10 to 15 years ahead of you or more. Um, Absolutely. Instead of the things that, you know, that kind of like flat or, or a little bit more flashy and, and settle in for a moment. And then it's hard to repeat or hard to grow from. I mean, right. Those are really yeah. challenging aspects. So a, a slow, steady build from the beginning of a career, I think, you know, you have a long runway and a lot of work that you can do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think Aaron has been very strategic with his roster as well, that they are career artists. Mm -hmm. They all are, Um, you know, and some of them are like, you know, Sarah and Sean Watkins. I mean, they've been, they've been busy for a long time. Like early two thousands is when they got quite big with nickel Creek and they'd been with nickel Creek. Like they formed it as children, you know, like we're talking career artists right here. Like they've been doing this for a while and we'll, always always be putting out something always working on projects you know sarah's work with i'm with her like that's that's a relatively new thing you know mm-hmm. um so you know it's interesting the artists that i i really it's been so fun to watch that is you know so i i came into red light in july of 2017 um and at that point aaron was kind of you know giving just 
quickly kind of running me up to speed on all his roster, you know, what was, what was coming up, what was going to be priority that year. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's madness jumping into a job like this. Like I, I really had no idea what I was doing. It was the first year was like, Oh, every day was just like panic. Um, cause it's like, there's so much to do and I don't know, you know, but yeah. I would lean into my Rolodex, you know, call my, my friends who are crew members, who are tour managers and production managers and, you know, figure out what is, what does scheduling even look like for a tour and what is, is this normal? Is this not normal? You know, and just quickly was able to learn all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, at that point, um, you know, he was like, I just signed, uh, or just started working with this, this artist Madison Cunningham. She's based in, you know, Orange County. She lives with her parents still. Um, looks like we're going to do a pretty big label deal with Verve, which is part of Universal. Mm-hmm. But she's, you know, a total, total baby artist. And, and that, was, that was kind of it. And it's just amazing to see since then how her career is just, I mean, she's just killing it and has really grown. Um, And she's, she's incredible. You know, Madison is one of a kind, Um, but to see from, you know, like she's a baby artist, has a a self, a self, you know, release toy independent to where she is now. You know, she has two Grammy nominations underneath her belt and, you know, just over Halloween open for Harry Styles at Madison Square Garden and um, artists, love her you know i mean Mm -hmm. she's john mayer is a huge champion of hers and it's just it's it's really cool to see people catching on to how brilliantly wonderful she is and to really tangibly see because i think for every art every other artist i was work started working with you know they already had a pretty tangible career Mm -hmm. um that we were then building off of but with Madison and, you know, I mean, Aaron signed her right about the time I started working. So it's just been fun to like really grow that um, right. and just really, it, it's just this dramatic kind of picture of an artist finding their voice, finding their chops, finding their tone um, and growing into, to be their own boss, you know, I mean, just to see how much, how personally how much personally she's grown has just been really beautiful because I I've done it alongside her, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as a manager and I feel really steady now and it's, it's just, it's really cool. It's been a fun thing. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's exciting to see kind of what's next uh, for mm-hmm. her, for sure. Um, so how do you divide all this up, you know, between what, the two of you guys do, and then obviously a pretty stacked roster. Um, totally. I'm sure you get pulled in a bunch of different directions. Yeah, totally. I mean, the most useful skill I've learned is how to prioritize. Yeah. Like what needs to be done right now and what what can be done a couple of days from now or a week from now or whatever. That's something I, I didn't have initially going into this job, and that that is key or else I would just be – crying in my inbox all day, you know? Um, but as far as how Aaron and I kind of divide work, it's, it's pretty typical for a manager and a day-to-day manager relationship. So, you know, Aaron is very much big pictures. So he, he's navigating, um, record deals, finding new booking agents when needed. 
um, working with booking agents on planning tours, working with labels of when releases should happen. Mm-hmm. So all, all of that kind of big picture longevity, you know, Aaron has a picture in his mind probably for the next three years of what's going to go on with all of our artists. I am more day to day. So, which is, you know, obvious it's in my, in my job title. So like Aaron will come to me and say, Hey, this is the tour we kind of have in mind for next fall. And from there, I'll immediately go out to the band, go out to the crew, ask them to hold the dates, start putting together the budget. Um, So all of the like logistical, like, okay, so the big thing is, is set or almost set. So, okay, what are all the pieces we need to, to pull this off? You know? Um, So from there, working with the agents, the booking agents to get all the marketing plans in, like I do all the tour marketing. So working with every venue, working with our radio team, for radio presents where it makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, hiring great TMs. Yeah. Who I can then hand off all the travel, the comms, booking of, you know, vehicles, buses, backline, all that stuff. So, and for some artists, we, we don't bring a TM on. So I just do all of that as well. Right. Um, so, you know, it's very much like logistical, you know, uh, zooming into whatever the project is, where at that point, Aaron's moved on to the next tour, planning for the next tour, you know, Mm -hmm. that's two years away. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's really fun in that respect, because I think it, I think it, it definitely works towards my skills. Like I, I do not enjoy navigating record deals. (laughs) And I don't know if anybody does, but I I don't love that. Um, I don't, I don't love the kind of schmoozing that goes along with it. Um, And, you know, some of it, it, it's still over my head. You know, I've been doing this for four years now, but I, I get, I just, I don't find all that stuff super appealing, I think. And Mm. I, you know, Aaron might say, well, that's my least favorite part of the job too. You know, I'm not sure. I don't know if any manager enjoys that kind of stuff, but it's, it's fun for me to really get my hands dirty with whatever plans. So like, you know, right now Madison's in Nashville, she's, she's recording a record, her next record, she's finishing it up. So, you know, right now it's like, okay, we need a photo shoot. We need to plan a video shoot. And I'm like, on it let's go you know (laughs) um so it's it's all that kind of that day-to-day stuff um but in all in all facets it's not just touring it's you know from everything from digital plan to um, release plans all that kind of stuff so i think that's what's so appealing to me about management is you get to work in all of it Mm -hmm. like i would be so bored if i just did social media plans all day yeah. You know, and some people love that and they excel at it and they love digital and they love learning all the new tools. And, you know, I mean, they make a huge impact in an artist's career. Like, sure. you know, no hate on that at all. But I love that. Well, I can do that for an hour of my day and then hand it off to the social team, you know? Right. Um, so that's, I, I think that's the real people either love that and excel in that in management as far as getting to do a little bit in like, every aspect of an artist's career Mm -hmm. or they find it too overwhelming 
and can't do it or don't do it well. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely good to be well-rounded and have a working knowledge of all of that so you can collaborate on it. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I always found myself to be more of a big picture, not necessarily afraid to get under the hood and get my hands dirty, but Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think, I think I definitely excelled more, um, overall looking at the bigger picture of things as opposed to kind of getting into the weeds and the nuances. And that's, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, I mean, it just comes with maturity and experience, you know, to kind of figure yeah. out what you're really good at and how that works. And then also, you know, accept what that might be, you know, or not, not really accept, mm-hmm. but um, kind of excel, you know, in that mm-hmm. uh, to a large degree. Uh, I think a lot of managers that do this on their own and, and, you know, a lot of people can excel doing it completely on their own up to a certain degree, you know, that, that big pick, you know, zooming out and then coming right back down to the nuance is mm-hmm. super challenging. And you, mm-hmm. you miss elements of the nuance. If you're just always, you know, heads in the clouds looking at the bigger picture of things. So I, I kind of not dissimilar to the comment and the idea of tour managing as kind of a boot camp, if you will, for artist management at the end of the day, being out there and seeing all that, and immersing yourself in it or immersing yourself in the day to day, you can learn, I think you can learn the traits of the bigger picture component of it because you're seeing it in action, how that's all orchestrated and how it's played out where if you're just, you know, if your head's in the clouds, you're trying to kind of be all encompassing. It's hard to, to pick up on those nuances later on. Um, totally. To a large totally. degree. Um, and it really does take a team, you know, whether you're yeah. an artist managing yourself up to a certain degree or you have a team around you. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of, um, time and talent and focus, you know, depending on the, the type of artist you're working with or that you are, that is just required. And it's really hard to be all things to, to everyone all at once. And, uh, so true. And the music industry by and large is, is a lot more complicated than it should be. <laughs> um, <laughs> both, both for, for the business minded and the artistic minded, it's not, um, it's not an open book or a friendly environment, um, necessarily to outsiders. Um, so mm-hmm. it does, you know, a lot of jobs are like this, but it does take a while just to, to soak it all in and find your feet with it. It's, uh, and it's ever evolving, you know? Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it's always changing. And again, some people love that and some people hate that, you know? I mean, it's, it's always a moving target. There are new tools, you know, like I have to learn TikTok. (laughs) Like TikTok can break (laughs) artists now. Like what is this thing? (laughs) Um, no, I have to call my little brother and, and get a masterclass in this kind of stuff. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what makes it fun as well. And, and the other challenging piece is, you know, what might work for one artist definitely will not work for another artist. Mm-hmm. Like there is no there is no clear blueprint on this kind of stuff. Um, and that's what keeps you on your toes, you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess the underlying component of it is just that connection that ultimately has to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of passe to say it, but I mean, there's usually something that 
obviously the people working with an artist see it, but it, there's a nuance to try to figure out how to c- convey that enough that a fan will see it and then mm-hmm. react to it in a way that you hope they will. And some of that just takes a lot of faith and a lot of time, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of see happen. But I, 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 I guess I'm encouraged as fractured as everything is nowadays, I am really encouraged to see, um, at least with certain artists, a pretty strong hold of like fandom kind of happening again. It's like, there's definitely, especially with the the onset of live performance kicking back into gear, but it, 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 regardless, it's just great to see fans like really, you know, find a lane where they can be a fan of a song, but also Mm -hmm. be a fan of an artist a little bit more holistically than maybe they were even, you know, three to five years ago. It's, it's an interesting Mm -hmm. environment, you know, it's definitely more of a song focused, you know, industry nowadays. Uh, and you have to overcome that as an artist to get past the, the love of the song to really the love of the artist. If you're looking for, you know, longevity to, to some degree, but uh, there, there seems to be a way for that to work now and thrive in, in both directions. Um, totally. And that's really well, encouraging just, to me. No, I, I totally agree. You know, another point in our roster is like, I know, let's say you found a Madison Cunningham song on TikTok. And for whatever reason, you liked it enough to buy a ticket to a show. Mm-hmm. I know if somebody buys a ticket to a show and shows up, they're going to be a fan. Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to be a real fan um, forever. Probably like if they can see her play live, we got them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really feel that way about our whole, our whole rosters. They're, they're all such live artists. Like that will always be a huge part. I mean, we don't have any artists that are just TikTok artists or that that type of thing that don't rely heavily on the live component. And you know, I think I think that's also because Aaron was a tour manager and he gets that. Yeah. Like live is where he excels. I mean, that's his bread and butter baby. You know, like he's like he gets it. Like he's all of the agents we work with just love him because again, like he's he's been on the ground. Like he understands how touring works. He mm-hmm. understands how to route a tour and he understands what fans want, you know, as far as live music. So I, I it's very exciting to me. Like I'm grateful to work with artists that are just incredibly good live because again, like to our previous point, like that that brings such long longevity to careers. Um, is being able to really slay live because there are so many artists right now that are really buzzy that, you know, I won't name them, but they're not good live. Like they're just not, (laughs) they probably never will be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. That's one advantage I think to a slow burn, you know, where maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, you get a certain amount of accolades on your first record or two, but you really need to just put some time in, you know? in order to kind of get to a place where, you know, somebody shines a light on you or things start to kind of click and, you know, you're at a level higher, um, than, than the average, you know, out of the gate artist. Um, it can be, yeah, a lot of pressure, um, Mm -hmm. to, uh, 
to learn how to excel in that environment, you know, on your first record, your first, oh, whatever, totally. 10, 20, hundred shows or whatever. Um, oh, totally. I mean, you got to put the time in, um, experience really goes a long way, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to that, uh, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, I'm really excited to see how, how things kind of play out. I mean, there's so much, um, opportunity with what you guys are doing ahead and it's, you know, um, just a thrill to, you know, be a fan of both the music and, and the work that goes into it. Um, and knowing that at work is, it's a lot, no doubt. And it's all done with heart. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, like, Management, the way I see it, 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 it truly is such a privilege. Hmm, it's a yeah. privilege. Because you get to be, I mean, you know, at the right hand of great art. Mm-hmm. Like that that's so exciting. And you you have the responsibility of being a mouthpiece for this artist, being yeah. an advocate, representing them in tons of meetings, tons of phone calls, you know? I mean, it's a huge responsibility and such a privilege. Yeah. I just it, you know, and maybe I'm just, I'm feeling introspective because it's the end of the year, you know, I've kind of been looking back at this year and, and just kind of what we've been able to accomplish and just having live music again has been just so incredible, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's been totally nerve wracking. Like there's definitely the feeling of, whoa, what, you know, what, my heart is going to get COVID. Are they going to cause some kind of outbreak at shows? You know, I mean, there's real fear there, right? but we were okay. We got through it, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. We we're very lucky and, you know, put in some good safety procedures for audiences and artists alike, but it's just, it's exciting work and it's, again it's it's a privilege it's not something to be taken lightly you know um in that you're you're representing an artist their interests and their life's work you mm-hmm. know it's such privilege it's so fun and i'm sure you felt the same way when you were doing it so. oh yeah yeah no definitely um yeah it's a great way to to summarize it it, it really is a privilege um mm-hmm. without a doubt um yeah it's, uh, yeah, there's really, it, yeah, there's nothing better. That's why I love it. I think so much, um, from afar now more, more than in, in, in the seat, but, uh, it's still just, uh, a thrill, a thrill to have that connection. Um, and, totally. and it's so like weird and mysterious and hard to define, hard to explain, but, uh, I'm, I'm finding as I talk to more managers about the art of management, um, it really is like, there's like a shared interest in trying to express that, um, yeah. you know, which is really fun to kind of unravel and, and, and try to make sense of, um, yeah. yeah, we're definitely a unique, um, personality trait and breed <laughs> that takes those kind of things on. Um, totally. You know, it's funny. It's like most of my close friends at this point our managers. Yeah. And I think there's a reason for that because <laughs> we're similar personality types. We, yeah. we click, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some overlay <laughs> in different, different other sectors and whatnot, but yeah, it's. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, oh, for sure. It's, you know, it's not, it's not a definite thing, but I, I think as a whole, you know, managers are people who are nuanced, mm-hmm. um, who are hungry 
and interested in a type of work that's a lifestyle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I was thinking of like the, the, you know, it's not a great analogy or anything or one for one, but just like the, just any entrepreneur, you know, that is willing to kind of start their own small business and figure something out. It's like, oh, this is very, I can relate to that. It's very similar yeah. in a way, yeah. you know, it's still orchestrating, you know, coming up with something creative, orchestrating something around it you know, and bringing in good people and creating a vibe around it and trying to find an audience for it. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some similarities there, but, uh, it's, uh, when you get into the, the nuance of the, um, the work of being an artist manager is definitely something really special and different about that. That doesn't really equate any other way. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you're spot on there. And it's, it's fun to fun to have these conversations. So I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Seriously. Oh, absolutely. You're the best. And I miss working together, but it's fun to just be a friend and colleague with you now. And oh, watch absolutely. Far of all yeah. the things you're doing as well. And yeah, it's exciting. It is indeed. Um, well, before you go, if I could throw a few questions at you that I like to throw at everyone. Sure. Um, it would be great to get some insights. You know, it's funny. We've known each other for a long time and know our musical tastes, but like, I'm really, some of these questions I really don't know uh, the answers to. Okay. So I'm excited Gosh. to hear. So what was the first record of, you know, any kind of like true meaning that you like purchased or, or found yourself immersed in? Ooh, interesting question. Ah, uh, gosh. I mean, my dad was a huge is a huge Jackson Brown, James Taylor nut. Oh, cool. So I, I grew up on that. I mean, I was so young. I didn't even, I don't even know the record names. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that was, uh, I mean, some James Taylor records. Like I was like, Whoa, this is cool. This is yeah. special. You know, I mean, I'm talking as like a five and six year old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, this is cool. Like I'm feeling things with this music, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, from a, a, a limited perspective of a child. But um, I mean, I think as, as I got older, like, I just remember Arcade Fire's Funeral. Yeah. That record, I thought, this is the coolest stuff ever. Never heard anything like it. thought it was so amazing. So that I, I'll stick with that. that. That could be my answer. No, no, that's a good one for <laughs> sure. I mean, I, th- I, I think it is really interesting because, it you know, it's a combination of, yeah, exactly what you just described. Hearing music as a kid, usually from, you know, a sibling or a parent or a friend. And then then also that moment where you just go out and, and hear something that, you know, you feel more personally attached to. But it is like mm-hmm. such an um, interesting, you know, uh, thing to kind of ponder away. Because, I mean, that is kind of what we do and what we hope for, you know, for all mm-hmm. artists to play a role like that. And it's always interesting to think back about what, uh, what, you know, what touched us in that way. Um, and you know, kind of peripherally to, um, what was the first concert you went to? Oh, the first concert, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should tell you my uh, upbringing. Yeah. Pretty conservative Christian. Yeah. That was the first concert I was allowed to go to. Um, but I mean, Hey, Stephen Curtis Chapman, he's, he can throw a show, man. Yeah. Like he really can. I think it was the 
what was the song like the one that's like I'm dying deep I'm dead so whatever that tour was that was his big single of the moment that's so funny I remember being at Belmont and trying to make friends uh and somebody invited me to a show at Starwood the amphitheater and I was like I I don't even know who that is and I was like do I want to go to this and I decided not to and it was probably wise (laughs) Uh, probably wise for sure but i mean just for my myself like this isn't probably these aren't my people this isn't my crowd it took me a moment um yeah well again i think i was about seven years old so i didn't have much say in the matter yeah yeah, i mean that was my first concert yeah i was 18 so i was like nope not gonna do that i'll wait (laughs) Uh, yeah good call there good call (laughs) oh man Oh, well, so I guess the la- I was, I used to ask this question pre-pandemic uh, or, or post-pandemic, but pre uh, the world opening back up, but what was the last show mm-hmm. you went to, but obviously that was Julian last night. What was the yeah, first show Julian you went night. to? Let me rephrase it. What was the first show you went to after when shows came back on board, like earlier oh, this year? What was the first live yeah. music that you saw? Oh, what was it? It's been such a blur this year. Yeah trying to think just like let me look at my let me look at my notes really quick my calendar you know as a day-to-day i can't go very long without looking at my calendar it's like my favorite thing last year was so weird because i mean i i always had a show to look forward to in my life like there's very very rare moments where i didn't have something on the horizon so 2020 Mm -hmm. was bizarre in that sense like it felt very disjointed um so disjointed yeah i think i think the first show back i mean this doesn't really count but it was the lone bellow who's a client they were at city winery in nashville so it was like super spaced apart yeah um but it was still so magical because they're you know they're a trio and they did a trio set just around one mic oh cool um and you know, it was the like the bare bones, just like raw harmonies, which was like, oh yeah, this is great. Like this, I guess what I'm saying is like it's something that really can't. The power of that, it's hard to recreate on a record, mm-hmm. like recorded. Um, so yeah, I think that that was technically my first show post pandemic, yeah. this pandemic that we're still in. But you know, right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So mine was uh, Wilco and Trampled by Turtles, who we work with at Ambient. Um, but it was really great to see see Wilco. And, of course, they opened that whole tour up with uh, Shot in the Arm, which is a great oh, song. I love I Summer Teeth. So it was a lot of fun. Very emotional. Uh, oh, yeah. As, as all well, first shows back, I think, were for most people. <laughs> 100%. You know, it's funny. I actually... I'm like kind of ashamed to say this, but I saw Wilco for the first time this year. I had never seen them live. Oh, and I was, Chris, I was blown away. Yeah. Like I went into it, (laughs) I went into it knowing like they're one of the best bands in the world. Like I I knew this, you know, like I knew it was going to be amazing and I still was like totally blown away. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they're definitely definitely a good band to see uh, at any point in time. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And you know, now I now I, I feel like a little bit more of a legit music fan. Like, I was a little ashamed I've never seen Wilco live, so I can cross that one off the list. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no, there's, yeah, they definitely have that going for them. I used to say, mm-hmm. yeah, when, when, um, uh, Yankee Foxtrot, uh, came out, it was definitely, it was kind of like the coffee table record that everyone just mm-hmm. had probably never listened to, wasn't really connected with, but yeah, it was just a cool thing to do. I think they've kind of found really? a groove beyond that now, but yeah, That's they were, funny. they were that band for a hot minute, uh, which is, you know, the, bu- the bunny bear type. Yeah. You know? Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, kind of very similar. Yeah. It's like, yeah, all my friends really love that, so I'll love it too, even though I don't necessarily connect with it. Uh, right, like the equivalent that, you know, I know it's like an interesting moment in an artist's career, like when they sell their vinyl at Urban Outfitters. Right. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they're one of those now. Right. Just like, they're the cool ones. You know, you might as well get that get that vinyl for that record player that you don't even own but go for it <laughs> yeah no true yeah it's what you do to kind of surpass that long term i think that makes the difference oh you're so right and wilco's clearly done that and i would argue on a very done that as well yeah so. yeah no i totally totally agree on on yeah i mean usually those those artists are warranted it's just yeah you reach a point where you know you have to kind of you know you balloon up a bit and you have to kind of deflate for a moment and find that that core audience uh long term totally um and uh and and then yeah some some folks stick around and actually listen and stay around for the ride but yeah you probably lose a few folks along the way but that's okay um totally what's something you've heard recently not necessarily you work with but uh that's just kind of really grabbed your ear oh this song Chase Lounge. Oh yeah. By Wet Leg. Wet Leg, dude. Yeah. Yes. That's such a great song. One of my favorites of the yes. year. Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah, me too. I think I think it's just really exciting. It is. Um Wet Leg. Yeah. And do you remember they just they signed with somebody kind of recently? Uh I'm trying to remember who it is off the top of my is it a smaller label if I recall. Any label. I want to say 4AD. I don't think that's right. Oh, it's Domino. Domino, that's it, it yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they just announced a show in Nashville. I got to see did. them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they have a show but, in Minneapolis, oddly enough. I could be wrong on oh, that. Oh, bummer. They do. Oh, they'll get up here eventually. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they definitely will with the current and everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's just something that just kind of came out of nowhere to me and i'm i'm loving the resurgence of of punk yeah it's just it's fun it's it's so fun and you know i mean i'm i'm always a sucker for female-led rock stuff i think it's just another album that was really critical to me was rilo kylie yeah like back in high school just thought jenny lewis was the coolest ever Mm-hmm. and she still is she still is still a huge fan um but yeah i'm a total sucker for that stuff so i heard it we have this this new independent station in nashville it's 91.1 yeah uh wnxp and i'm just like a, t- a super super fan of them now i mean i listen constantly when i'm driving um but yeah i, I heard it on there first and i was like immediately favorited it on Spotify and was like, I need to listen to this immediately. You know, it's just something, it's kind of rare that you, you listen to something in passing and it's like, Oh my gosh, I need to re-listen. Like yeah. this, is, this is exciting, you know? So that's probably the most recent one of those. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you like to do outside of work? Like outside of music in general? Yeah, totally. 
I mean, gosh, I feel like last year a lot of us realized, like, wow, I don't have a hobby and I need one because <laughs> I'm so bored. So true. So, true. <laughs> so bored. Uh, yeah, I really, I love hiking. I love mm. being outside, and Nashville is a, a good place to do that. So it is. Yeah, I mean, every weekend I try and get a hike in. You know, I'm not this super crazy hiker. I'll do like three or four miles or something. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the most grounding thing. I know 100% I will leave a hike better than I entered a hike, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's um, so great. Yeah, definitely that. Also running, love to run. Um, I, I just doing a half marathon in April, which is going to be super fun. It's on my 30th birthday weekend. So I was like, this is appropriate. Oh you know? yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> ring in, ring in a new decade with half marathon. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I'm a total family person, you know, like mm-hmm. my, my twin sister, her husband are here in Nashville and they have a, I have a niece and nephew through them and they're like my total heart. I hang out with them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I really don't consider it babysitting. It's really hanging out. Yeah. Like I love hanging out with those sure. kids. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's most of my free time, honestly. And just making good food, having people over for dinner, you know, I feel like those nights are usually my favorite. It's just simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's really awesome. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes what we do outside of all, all of this is just as important as the work that we do within it. So. You're so right. And again, last year really, really taught me that. Yeah, the fact Just that like, it, it forced everybody to slow down and rethink some things, I think, you know, ultimately a really good thing. Not that oh, it wasn't 100%. painful uh, on on a lot of levels, but yeah, I always try to look for the silver lining component in the, in circumstances like that, and I think that's one one element that I, I think a lot of people benefited from. No, I totally, I totally agree, and also reading. Like I read almost a book a week these days. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I love memoirs and fiction, like getting lost. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amanda and I read before we go to bed every night, but the only problem with that is now I can't read for more than like 10 or 15 minutes before I want to pass out and go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Cause everything's busy again. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, I've trained myself to, okay, I'm going to read a book on my Kindle and then I'm going to fall asleep when it hits me in that's the face funny. and that's kind of what I do that's most nights, but Oh, well, that's funny. I'll learn to read outside of the bed at some point again, but I don't know. <laughs> right. It's weird. Right. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, your brain is doing what it taught, what you taught it to do. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm reading a lot more, so nice. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so, well, thank you again for all this. I want to thank Hannah for taking the time to chat today and thank you as well for listening in. You can find us at all the usual places at Tough Love Pod. And you can find me at Chris at ToughLovePod.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at T-O-U-G-H-L-O-V-E-P-O-D.com. For now, be well, trip up, get back up, and let's all learn as we go. Until next time.